0: Hey all welcome back to the Real Life Pharmacology Podcast. I am your host, pharmacist, Eric Christensen. Thank you so much for listening today. Go check out reallifepharmacology.com. Go subscribe there. You can get a free 31-page PDF on the top 200 drugs. Uh, Simply an email is all it's going to cost you. So kind of a no-brainer there. Uh, Great resource if you're out in practice or if you're preparing for uh, pharmacology exams or board exams where uh, medications are tested. So go snag that for free at reallifepharmacology.com. All right, let's get into the drug of the day today, and that is cephalexin. brand name of this medication is Keflex. And this is a cephalosporin, as you could probably imply from the ceph uh, beginning of the word there. And it is a first-generation cephalosporin. So if you remember, uh, previously I had done ceftriaxone. Uh, and as we get to higher generations, we generally get more and more gram-negative coverage. So cefalexin being a first-generation cephalosporin, we are going to primarily have uh, gram-positive coverage and gram-positive bugs include uh, strep and staph species. Those are the most common targets that we're going to uh, use a drug like cephalexin for. Uh, With that said, there is potentially some activity against sensitive uh, uh, certain E. coli species, uh, Klebsiella species, uh, Proteus species, Um, And as we get to uh, talking about indications, um, urinary tract infection is sometimes an indication for cephalexin. Generally not a first-line agent, but if we have susceptible species, uh, we possibly can use uh, cephalexin in certain situations. Now, most commonly where you're going to see Cephalexin used is skin and soft tissue infections. Now these are often uh, staph or strep type infections, which Cephalex uh, certainly will cover there. Uh, other potential uh, infections that may have you know generally more gram positive uh, causes, um, uh, strep ACE, so that's like strep throat. Again, probably not a first line agent there, but a, a possible option. Uh, endocarditis, uh, and mastitis in in patients uh, who are lactating. Now, when I mentioned staph uh, aureus specifically, remember methicillin-resistant staph aureus is not going to be covered by cephalexin. So MRSA is not covered uh, by Keflex. Important to remember that. Uh, Mechanistically, Uh, This drug binds penicillin-binding proteins, which ultimately inhibits peptidoglycan synthesis or production, uh, and that's going to basically prevent bacterial cell wall formation, which is obviously going to be necessary for the bacteria to keep growing and replicating. Uh, Dosage forms are going to be important. Uh, Cephalexin does have an oral dosage form, oral capsule uh, dosage form, uh, there is an oral suspension as well, which, uh, if we use this in a pediatric patient, obviously, uh, can be helpful or patients that maybe have difficulty uh, swallowing um, bigger uh, tablets or, or capsules there. Now, adverse drug reactions. As you could probably anticipate, like with most antibiotics, and you know, often very similar, to the penicillin antibiotics, uh, these drugs or cephalexin can cause GI upset. Uh, So with regards to giving with food, it can be given with or without food. Obviously, if we run into that GI upset, that's probably the first thing we're going to do is say, hey, you know, are you taking it with food or yeah, go ahead and take this with food if you weren't before. Um, Other GI risk, diarrhea can certainly happen. Uh, There is risk uh, associated with uh, the use of cephalexin as with numerous other antibiotics of uh, C. diff infection. Uh, Rare potential adverse effects, uh, hemolytic anemia. Um, Hypersensitivity reactions can happen. Allergic reactions obviously can happen. Uh, And that, that brings up always an interesting uh, question regarding cross reactivity. So you've got a patient that has uh, an amoxicillin allergy, for example. Um, I always uh, inquire and ask questions about what that allergy was. Okay, so use some clinical common sense there. So a patient reports a amoxicillin allergy. You want to use cephalexin, or it's being prescribed uh, first get the details. Okay, what was that reaction? Uh, Did you have uh, diarrhea? Did you have nausea? Did you have vomiting? What was the specific reaction? Why is amoxicillin listed on your allergy or intolerance list? If it is something that's obviously, you know, an irritant or adverse effect, like diarrhea, for example, um, that's a classic example where I probably am not going to worry too much about giving uh, cephalexin. Now, if you've got a patient on the flip side with uh, Stevens Johnson syndrome, you know life-threatening skin reaction, uh, that's a patient where I'm going to step back, probably do a little bit more research, uh, and also potentially look at alternatives, because there has been situations where there is cross-reactivity with cephalosporins. Uh, and I'm not going to get a ton into the weeds on this on this podcast episode, um, but one of my friends uh, at IDStewardship.com, uh, pharmacist, infectious disease guy, um, good guy, he has um, a an article on cross reactivity between cephalosporins and penicillins, and it's a uh, cross reactivity. Uh, between cephalosporins and, and penicillins, a story of side change is the name of that article. So, if you want to s- search ID stewardship uh, in the name of that article, there uh, it's a good little rundown of kind of that cross reactivity potential um, and you know how the chemical structure impacts that risk. But again, I'd say first just just start with the basics, start with common sense. Okay, what was the reaction? How severe was the reaction? Um, And that'll get you a long ways, typically, as far as um, if it's okay to use cephalexin in somebody with an amoxicillin or or penicillin-type allergy. All right, let's talk kinetics here briefly. Uh, So, renal elimination is significant. So, generally in patients where that's uh, significant, we've got to look at uh, their past history and their renal function. And dosing is based upon uh, renal function. So if you know a patient's got a diagnosis of CKD, check out that renal function, see if we've got a dose adjust, uh, that cephalexin. Uh, Half-life is very short with cephalexin. Uh, Approximately an hour. Again, this is going to depend upon um, the patient's renal function because, again, it's significantly uh, renal-eliminated. So obviously, worse renal function, that drug's going to probably hang around a lot longer and it's probably going to have a longer half-life. Uh, normal adults, you know, might be around an hour, give or take, uh, for that half-life. So that's generally considered a pretty short half-life for sure. With that said, how does that relate to dosing and administration? So generally, cephalexin has to be given quite frequently, um, two up to four times per day. And obviously, the more and more times that a patient has to take a drug per day, uh, the more and more likely they are to forget. So that can be an adherence issue with cephalexin because it has such a short half-life there. All right, let's take a quick break from our sponsor and we'll wrap up with drug interactions. If you're in the market for pharmacist board certification study material like BCPS, ambulatory care, geriatrics exam, BCMTMS, NAPLEX exam, go check out meded101.com store, S-T-O-R-E. We've got a growing list of resources there that can help you pass your board exam. Uh, in addition, uh, if you're a nurse, physician, med student, looking to hone your clinical practice skills, we've got books on case studies, clinical pearls, drug interactions, all sorts of good stuff there. Uh, Specifically for nursing, we also have a nursing pharmacology book, which you can find on Amazon. So MedEd 101 Guide to Nursing Pharmacology. So go check that out, Um, support the sponsor there as well. All right, let's finish up with drug interactions. Uh, First and foremost, I'll mention warfarin. Again, with most antibiotics, we're probably gonna need to pay attention to the INR. Usually it's going to go up for virtually most ana- most antibiotics and cephalexin uh, fits the bill there. Obviously one of the big exceptions um, being rifampin that can potentially uh, reduce concentrations of warfarin. Uh, aminoglycosides, uh, the risk for nephrotoxicity could potentially go up a little bit with the use of cephalexin in combination with aminoglycosides. Can't say I've ever seen that combination used in clinical practice, but who knows, there might be a rare um, situation there. Uh, metformin concentrations um, could be increased with the, the use of cephalexin. Again, probably not a severe, you know, life-changing interaction, but it is something to potentially think about if you're seeing more adverse effects uh, from metformin uh, for some reason as a course of uh, cephalexin is going on there. Uh, probenicid, an older agent used in gout. Uh, it's been a long time since I've seen it, but this can increase concentration, uh, of cephalexin. Uh, and then one I did want to mention to supplement, um, zinc can actually, uh, bind cephalexin potentially leading to lower concentrations and ultimately, uh, could cause treatment failure there. So, uh, I think that's going to wrap up the podcast for today. Hope you found some useful clinical practice pearls there. Uh, As always, support the sponsor, meded101.com slash store, S-T-O-R-E. And of course, go sign up at realifepharmacology.com. Get that free 31-page PDF on the top 200 drugs. If you enjoyed this episode, found it helpful, leave us a rating review on iTunes or wherever you're listening. Uh, Share us with students, preceptors, faculty. Um, Hopefully, uh, everyone can help learn pharmacology a little bit better from this podcast. That is certainly my goal with the podcast. If you want to track me down, mededucation101 at gmail.com, or you can find me on LinkedIn as well, Eric Christensen, PharmD, BCPS, BCGP. Thanks so much for listening, and I hope you have a great rest of your day.